the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Thank you for joining us today. The Word of God provides everything we need throughout our earthly existence. There is absolutely nothing that has, is, or will occur in our lives that is not covered by the blood of Jesus. Our sovereign God loves us so much that he created us in his own image and sacrificed his only begotten sinless son to cover all of our sins. When we surrender our all to him, we begin to experience the greatest love of all and become recipients of eternal life. Listen with Bible pen and paper handy as Pastor Rander ministers to us today. Amen. And Father, we thank you for the opportunity to preach your word one more time. Thank you for the prayer gathering for those who engaged in prayer. I pray now that you would just use me to speak for truth from Scripture, the power of the Holy Spirit. I need you now. Without you, I can do nothing. Thank you for these that you have brought forth from homes and work and other responsibilities to, to gather ourselves together to commune, worship, and glean and grow from the authoritative word of God. Thank you for what you're going to do now. Help us not to be distracted, but help the word of God to penetrate and break up the things in us that you want dissolved. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And all God's children said, amen. You may be seated in the presence of God. Uh, we are journeying through First John, and we're in the closing portion of that particular book. So if you'd be so kind enough uh, to turn to First John, uh, chapter 1, verses 5 through 10, uh, we'll be laboring with these particular uh, passages of Scripture. And uh, we'll see what God does through his word tonight. First John, uh, chapter 1, verses 5 through 10. The word of God reads, This is the message we have heard from him and announced to you that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness We lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is, he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins... He is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. What direct words. John really confronts 
uh, erroneous doctrine of his day. And uh, he was a spiritual father. He was, he was full of days, full of years. He was a sainted soul of the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he's speaking to a number of churches at large to encourage them in the, in the faith and to give them the assurance of their salvation. And so he writes this letter of assurance confronting heretical teaching as well as giving um, believers hope and assurance and salvation. The subject for uh, tonight's message is the test of true fellowship. The test of true fellowship. Verses 5 through 7, we have the condition for fellowship. The condition for fellowship, verses 5 through 7. It says, this is the message we have heard from him and announced to you that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. The condition of fellowship. Verse 5, this is the message we have heard from him and announced to you that God is light. And in him there is no darkness at all. The message that John and other apostles preach came from God and not men. Say, how do you know that? Because he says it right there. This, right there in the first race, this is the message. This is the word. This is the message we have declared from him, from God. And what we've received from God, we announce to you, we preach to you, we declare to you. Preachers and teachers of the gospel are to say, thus saith the Lord, not adding anything to it or taking anything from it. The message that John and the other apostles preached came from God and not from men. The message John heard from the Lord was for the purpose of making it known to the churches, to strengthen the churches, to strengthen their fellowship with God. The purpose of his writing this message was to strengthen the church's fellowship with God, to strengthen the church's fellowship with one another. And it was also to give Uh, the church, the proper view of God. Because if you don't have the proper view of God, then how can you properly fellowship with God? You just can't believe anything about God. You have to have your Christology right, the doctrine of Christ right. And if you want to know whether uh, 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 the church's doctrine is authentic and genuine, Check out what they believe about the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the key. Check out what they believe about the Lord Jesus Christ. We must have a right theology about God, a right theology about Christ, a right theology about the Holy Spirit. And when we have a right view of Christ, it gives us the assurance of our salvation. You cannot have the assurance of your salvation with an improper view of God or incorrect or erroneous doctrine. You must get that right. That's the difference between life and death. 
Only when you have the life of God living in your soul can you have true fellowship with God through Jesus Christ who is light. John affirms that God is light. You see how you know that? It's right in the verse. This is the message that we have heard from from him and announced to you, declare to you. This message is to you, churches, that God is light, which means that God is absolutely perfect. It means that God is absolutely holy. It means that God is absolutely true. Just as darkness, which symbolizes evil. Matter of fact, you need to know that. We speak of darkness here. It, is, it symbolizes wickedness and evil. And just as darkness symbolizes evil and cannot exist in the presence of light, sin cannot exist in the presence of a holy God. Sin cannot exist in the presence of a holy God. Therefore, as light, God exposes and condemns sin. God is light. God is light. I mean, he has it's Chicana light. I mean, matter of fact, God is so much light that in heaven, there is no sun because the glory and the, the Chicana glory will emanate from God and light up the holy celestial city to the glory of God. Wow. Therefore, as light, God exposes and condemns sin, which means the only way to have fellowship with God is to repent and turn from our sins. You cannot have genuine, authentic fellowship with God uh, living comfortably, habitually in sin. 1 John 1, 6 says, if we say we have fellowship with him, that's Christ, and yet walk in darkness, that's wickedness, and that's evil. We lie and do not practice the truth. Those who claim to be in Christ but live in darkness, their very lifestyle proves them to be liars. They're saying, they're saying one thing, but they're living another way. They, they have a profession, but they're not living out the reality of who Christ is. So those who claim to be in Christ but live in darkness, their very lies prove them to be liars because they do not practice the truth. Beloved, it is impossible to walk in light and darkness at the same time. It is absolutely impossible to walk in light and darkness at the same time. You're either saved or you're lost. You're either in the light or you're in the darkness. You, you're either evil or you're righteous. You're either on your way to heaven uh, or you're on your way to hell. You can't be both on your way to heaven and hell at the same time. You can't do that. That's a, that's a virtual impossibility. Those who claim to be in Christ but, but live in darkness, their very lifestyle prove them to be liars because they do not practice the truth. You cannot walk in light and darkness at the same time. Verse 7 says, but if we walk in the light as he, Christ himself, is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. Koinonia, fellowship. We have wonderful things in common that we share in common with one another. And you see that great passage on fellowship found in Acts chapter 2, verse 42. But if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sins. Listen, we ought not wait till 
uh, Palm Sunday to talk about the blood of Jesus. We ought to get excited about the blood of Jesus every day of the week. Every Sunday is Resurrection Sunday. Every day we ought to be praising God for what he did for us through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. I thank God for the blood. One day when I was lost, he died upon the cross. I thank God for the blood. It was the blood that saved me. It was the blood that redeemed me. It was the blood that declared me righteous before a holy and just God. Two things are true of Christians who habitually walk in the light. Two things are true of Christians who habitually walk in the light. A, we have fellowship with Christ. You walk in the light, you have fellowship with Christ. Secondly, we have fellowship with one another. Believers cannot have genuine relationship with one another until they first have intimate fellowship with Christ. And you have some believers that, that people who say they are believers, if they are really believers, uh, and, 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 and many are believers. But what happens is that they have a relationship that's not right with God. They're not close to God. Perhaps they are estranged from God. And when you're estranged from God, then you end up being estranged from the believers, your brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ. You must have a right relationship with God before you can be in right relationship with your brothers and sisters. If you're not right with God, you're not going to be right with your mother, your father. You're not going to be right with other church members, other believers. It all goes back to your relationship with Christ. The basis upon which we have the fellowship, this fellowship, is the shed blood of Jesus Christ who paid in full the penalty for our sins. It wasn't a half payment. It was a full payment. And never again will there be another death on the cross uh, to redeem lost humanity. One Savior, once fall, died on that cross. And there never will be another sacrificial lamb to die for the sins of the world. He sacrificed one time, then went to heaven, and he is now seated at the right hand of God, according to the book of Hebrews. In verses 8 through 10, we have the preservation of fellowship, the preservation of fellowship. Verse 8 says, if we say that we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. It's a bad thing when we don't have the truth in us. If we don't have the truth in us, then that means we're full of lies. Something, something's in you if it's not the truth. And it's most unholy, whatever it is. And lies are unholy. If we say that we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. Not only did false teachers walk in darkness, but went so far as to deny the existence of a sin nature in their own lives. We all have a sin nature. We all have an old Adamic nature. When you get saved, that, that old Adamic nature is still there. It's still there. You say, when we get rid of it, you get rid of it when you die. When you die, then it's over. And that's why you still have a capacity to sin even though you are saved. Because you still have that human part of you, that old Adamic nature, that sinfulness, that nature uh, that, that has a propensity to do things that break the heart of Almighty God. If anyone denies being a sinner... He cannot be saved. If anyone denies being a sinner, he or she cannot be saved. 
He or she is self-deceived and the truth is not in him or her. For only when we see ourselves as sinners will we see a need for a savior. Did you get that? For only when we see ourselves as sinners will we see a need for a savior. Nothing's wrong with me. It doesn't take all that. I come to Christ on my own terms. You're lost as you can be. You're saved upon the reality of knowing without a doubt that you're a sinner and that you're a wretch and you're undone and you're in need of someone who is greater than you, someone who is greater than anything in this world. And that someone is the rock, the Lord Jesus Christ, upon whom we can anchor our souls in. First John chapter 1, verses 9 and 10 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him God a liar. And that's, that's a horrible thing. We make God a liar and his word is not in us. A sign of genuine salvation is a continual confession of sin. I mean, I'm confessing my sins every day. You have to keep yourself in check. You have to be searching yourself. You have to be examining yourself. Get your eyes off of other people. Get out the judgment seat. There's enough issues in your own life that you have to deal with besides analyzing everybody else's issues. You see, a sign of genuine salvation is a continual confession of sin. The term confess, say confess. Confess means to say the same thing about sin as God does. Confess means to say the same things about sin as God does. In other words, you agree with God about your sins. Whatever he said about your sins, you say, oh God, I surrender. You're right. I'm the culprit. I'm the wretch. Woe is me. I confess. God continually cleanses those who are confessing their sins. He cleanses them. Since God has said that all people are sinners, you know, we're all born in sin, says the psalmist, and we're shaped in iniquities. We're not born saved. Only one person born without sin, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. Apart from him, everybody else, I don't care how cute they are, what color they are, what socioeconomic status they are, what country they were born in, what language they, they, they speak, all of us are born uh, sinners because we have inherited that old Adamic nature from Adam and Eve. Amen? Since God has said that all people are sinners, anyone who says he has not sinned, make God a liar, and his word is not in him, a genuinely saved person will never call or make God a liar. Let's transition. Why does God, he says, confess our sins? Why does God require us to confess our sins? I mean, he's just not haphazardly saying this. Whatever God does, there's meaning, there's purpose, and there's value. Why does God require believers to confess our sins? Number one, sin separates us from Christ. Sin separates us from Christ. We are remiss, we are negligent. When we are remiss uh, in confessing our sins, it will result, result in a life separated from Christ that brings about a loss of fellowship. 
When we are negligent in confessing our sins, you know what it does? It brings about a loss of fellowship with God. It brings about a loss of spiritual power that we could have in Christ. When we fail to confess our sins, uh, we don't have the joy. Uh, we're, we're miserable. Matter of fact, we get upset that other folk have joy. Other folk can laugh. Other folk have a cheerful spirit. The joy is there. But if you don't, if you do not confess your sins, there goes the joy. And then if we fail to confess our sins, there go the fruitfulness. You'll be fruitless and not fruitful. And God has called us to bear fruit, bear good fruit to the glory of God. So sin separates us from God. From Christ, and that's what—that's Satan's aim. That's his goal. That's his desire: is to separate you from Christ, break that fellowship, so you kind of be out there on your own, disconnected from the church, disconnected from the saints, disconnected from Christ, so he can just wreak havoc in your life, in your thinking, in your personality, in your attitude, in every way possible. Why does God require us to confess our sins? Number two, we must confess our sins so that we can enjoy maximum fellowship and joy with Christ. We must confess our sins so that we can enjoy maximum fellowship and joy with Christ. You can have maximum fellowship with God while living in sin at the same time. Now, that's called maximum fellowship with the devil. But to have maximum fellowship with God, it means you must uh, examine yourselves. It, must, it means you must con- confess your sins and, and, uh, and, and live in right standing with the holy and just God. Number three, uh, we confess our sins. We're required to confess our sins because sin contaminates and entangles us and often carries a lifetime of consequences. Sin contaminates and entangles us and often carries a lifetime of consequences. There are some persons who have committed certain sins that were so devastated in their teens and in their early 20s that now that they are 50 and 60s, they're still living with the residue of the sins committed in their youthfulness. My friend, you may choose the sin. However, you do not get to choose the consequences. You may choose to sin, and, I, and, I don't, and don't be too anxious. To choose. I don't want to choose any kind of sin. I really don't. I'm not aimed at no such thing as little sin and a big sin. Any sin has the potential of wiping you out. You may choose to sin. However, you do not choose the consequences. Neither do you choose the time of divine chastening. You don't even get to choose the time. You know, that God, God settles all of that. And neither do you get to choose the place where you're going to get your divine whipping. God can whip you anytime, anywhere, any place. And I take God knows how to humiliate you. God knows how to embarrass you. And God knows how to shout your sin from the rooftop. Oh, why does God require require us to confess our sins? Number four, confession of sin is mandatory because God is only glorified through a righteous walk. Confession of sin is mandatory because God is only glorified through a righteous walk. We have to walk holy. We have to walk righteously, circumspectly. We have to to live holy in an unholy world. Uh, Confession of sin is mandatory 
to deal with the issue of sin. Number five, confessing our sins help us to keep short accounts with God. Confessing our sins help us to keep short accounts with God. In other words, we must keep ourselves holy and pure before the Lord and not allow our unconfessed sins to accumulate. You know, some people, they rarely confess their sins and you forget all those sins and then the sins begin to accumulate and pile up and your life just becomes a big sinful mess. And so you want to keep short accounts. I mean, when you sin, you want to deal with that sin decisively, immediately, because if you don't, all it's going to do is accumulate and, and Satan will wreak more havoc in your life and uh, the presence of God won't be in your life. You won't have the, the joy or the fruitfulness or none of those other things when sin is accumulating in your life. First John 1 John 1.9 says, if we confess, that's conditional. Now, some folk don't want to confess because they, they're too prideful to confess. If we confess. You know, that if is a two-letter word, but it's big. You have to want to confess. There has to be an inner desire to confess. And then you have to mean what you say. God knows when you plan around. If we confess, agree with God about our sins, that's what we said about confess. Our sins, our sin, sin, what is sin? Missing the mark. Sin is rebellion against God. If we confess our sins, he, God, is faithful. And we're faithful. He's trustworthy. He's dependable. He's reliable and righteous. God is righteous to forgive our sins. There's, there's no sin that the blood of Jesus can't clean up. You can't sin so badly, whatever it is. Think of the worst thing you ever did in your life. Whatever that is that we don't know. The blood of Jesus is sufficient to cleanse that sin and to wash it away and give you liberty like nothing else can. As committed children of the only true and living God, we walk by faith and not by sight. Life on earth is not easy. Yet, even in the midst of trials and tribulations, we have joy, hope, peace, strength, and God's blessed assurance as we face trials. Best yet, we look forward to hearing our Savior say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant, and eternal life with our Lord and Savior. If you enjoy this kind of biblical teaching or would like to hear this message in its entirety, please visit us at Maranatha Bible Church, located at 7855 East Loop 1604 North in Converse, Texas, or call us at 210-821-5683. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.